Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the live internet broadcast of Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. It is Sunday, May 21st of 2023, and today we are talking about the 144,000 first fruits prophecy in the book of Revelation. You'll hear in a moment that this prophecy tells us about the reality of the return of Jesus Christ and one of his activities, one of the actions of the Lion of the tribe of Judah is that he will stand on Mount Zion. Now, what is Mount Zion? According to seetheholyland.net, Mount Zion is, quote, the highest point in ancient Jerusalem and the broad hill south of the old city's Armenian quarter. Also called Sion, its name in the Old Testament has become projected as a metaphoric symbol for the whole city and the promised land. So key point, Mount Zion, the highest point in ancient Jerusalem and a broad hill. So let us hear the 144,000 first fruits prophecy reading from the book of Revelation Chapter 14, verses 1 to 5, it says, Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven, like the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the rolling of loud thunder, It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They have kept themselves as pure as virgins, Following the Lamb wherever he goes, they have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the Lamb. They have told no lies. They are without blame. That is the 144,000 first fruits prophecy in its entirety. It spans a period of time that is not specifically indicated, but let's look at some of the details that are provided. In verse one, we're told that the 144,000 are standing on this present earth and they are standing with Jesus Christ in a specific location in Israel, in Jerusalem, and where in Jerusalem? On Mount Zion, 
the tallest hill in ancient Jerusalem. And so as it was in the past, it shall be in the future. Jerusalem is the place where Jesus Christ is coming to, to wage a war waged in righteousness, the war to end all wars, the battle of Armageddon. Now, in this 144,000 first fruits prophecy, Jesus has returned to present earth and he is standing with some who are included in the harvest. Now, it's not all, but let's make sure we're clear. The harvest is not limited to 144,000, but it includes 144,000. Now, these individuals, they will transition from mortality to immortality. Now, let's hear about that. The 144,000 are first mentioned in the book of Revelation in the seven seals prophecy. So they're mentioned three times. Once in the seven seals prophecy in Revelation chapter 7 and twice in the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. So ultimately, these individuals who are a part of the harvest, not only do they stand with Jesus Christ in Israel, on Mount Zion, which is located in Jerusalem. But they also have the mark of God. That's the true mark on their foreheads, which means that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It means that they have been saved. It means that they have been redeemed. It means that as they stand in their bodies with Jesus Christ who has returned, that they have transitioned from mortality to immortality. You say, well, how do you know that? Let's go to Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds so they did not blow on the earth, or the sea, or even on any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until... We have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. Let's pause there for a second. So Revelation chapter 7 verses 1 to 3 revealed that there are angels working in tandem under the inspiration of God the Father and that four angels have been given power by God, not by Satan. They've been given power by God to do what? It says to harm land and sea. Now, why have they been given power to harm land and sea? Because as we see in Revelation chapters 15 and 16, the seven plagues prophecy, the seven final plagues, they culminate with the battle of Armageddon. And as we see in Revelation chapter 17, 18, and 19, the wine press is coming, and the wine press is the strategy 
that God will use when Jesus Christ has the sword, which comes from his mouth, destroy the enemies of God and their blood will flow as revealed at the end of Revelation chapter 14 and at the end of Revelation chapter 19, 100% of the armies of the nations of the world who are under the leadership of the Antichrist and the false prophet, 100% of those armies that invade Jerusalem, they will travel the path of the dried up Euphrates River, that's the sixth and final plague. It will be supernaturally dried up. So we're not talking about what's happening now. This or that thing is happening with the uh, the dam in Turkey. This or that thing is happening with the uh, the water in terms of the water levels. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the river Euphrates will be dried up supernaturally. The angel will pour out the sixth vial, and that river will dry up supernaturally. After a blackout has come to the headquarters of the Antichrist, wherever those headquarters are, I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, are the headquarters going to be in London or Zurich or Johannesburg? We're not told exactly where the headquarters of the Antichrist are. Uh, More than likely, it will be in Europe since the Ten Nation Alliance. Uh, will comprise uh, European countries. So these angels have been given power to harm land and sea. Why? Because during the Battle of Armageddon, harm is going to come not only to the armies led by the kings of the world under the leadership of the Antichrist and the false prophet, but harm is going to come to the land and the sea When the people who have the mark of the beast and when those nations that are the enemies of God who have sent their people to fight against Israel, those people are are going to be attacked. Babylon is going to be attacked. The headquarters of the harlot church will fall in a single hour as described in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 in a purple and scarlet prophecy. So let's be clear, in Revelation chapter 7, angels with the supernatural power of God have been empowered to harm land and sea. But it says in verse 3, wait. So another angel beyond the four says to these four who are working um, in tandem, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until so what does that mean these angels are about to bring harm to the land and the sea and the trees they're about to do that and it's not because they're under the power of satan it's because they're under the power of god and the enemies of god will be destroyed during the battle of armageddon now it says wait don't harm the land or the sea or the tree until we have placed the seal of god on the foreheads of his servants so the seal of god is described in revelation chapter 3 verse 12 and revelation chapter 22 verse 4 all who are victorious will have the seal of god on their foreheads that's revealed 
in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, Jesus says, I will put on them my own new name and the name of, uh, let me go to it so I can share exactly what it says. I don't want to paraphrase that important scripture. Let's go there together. It says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, Jesus speaking, and I will write on them, talking about who, earlier in verse 1 of chapter 12, he says, all who are victorious. So what does it mean to be victorious? It means to have one's name written in the Lamb's book of life, to be a part of earth's crop, to be a part of the harvest, to be among the sheep rather than the goats, to be among the wheat rather than the tares, to be among the good fish who will be kept rather than the bad fish who will be thrown out, to be among those who will transition from mortality to immortality rather than those who will transition from the great white throne judgment to eternal damnation. So talking about those who are victorious, Jesus says at the end of verse 12, and I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. So we will never, ever, as believers in Jesus Christ, we will never, ever take the mark of the beast because that is a counterfeit. Instead, what mark will you have as a truth seeker and believer? Jesus promises, I will write on you, who is victorious, you whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you who is among the good fish rather than the bad fish, you who is a sheep who hears my voice and another voice you will not follow. So Jesus says to you and to I as believers in Jesus Christ, I will write on them, that's you and me, the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God. So ultimately, we will have citizenship in Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. Now, when does the new Jerusalem come down? The new Jerusalem comes down after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, after the great white throne judgment where the last two enemies of God are destroyed, Then we transition from this present earth, which it says uh, in the New Testament, the present earth and the present heaven, uh, they will wear out. And God's going to fold them up like an old cloak. What does that mean? Like an old jacket, like an old suit, like an old outfit. It's folded up. It's worn out. You know, you can have a $10,000 suit. $500 suit, $100 suit, you know, whatever you think of as expensive, the fanciest suit, eventually it will wear out. Why? Because it's on this earth. It was made uh, age where there's the curse. What's the curse? The curse is what causes everything to wear out. It 
is what allows death to exist, even death for the earth and the heavens. So they're going to wear out, and we're going to transition to the new earth. We hear about that in the New Earth Prophecy, Revelation chapter 21, all the way to verse 5 of chapter 22. So ultimately, after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, every believer will have citizenship, and that citizenship will be with the city of my God, Jesus says, that's God the Father who sits right now in present heaven on his throne. So we will be citizens of the New Jerusalem. Now you might say, research scientists, uh, does that mean I'll live in the New Jerusalem? Well, you could be a citizen of one city but live in another place or many places, right? So I remember when I was in high school, uh, my good friend at the time, she was a citizen of the Ivory Coast and the citizen of the United States. There, uh, Sid Roth, he is a citizen of Israel and a citizen of the United States. So perhaps it will be the case that you will be a citizen of the New Jerusalem and a citizen of uh, Houston, Texas, or a citizen of the New Jerusalem and a citizen of Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know. But what we do know is that every believer and truth seeker According to Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, Jesus promises, I will write on them the name of my God. And I will also write on them my new name. So that's Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. So he's going to write the name of his God and his own new name. And they will be citizens of the New Jerusalem. Now, remember, the New Jerusalem doesn't come down until after the millennial reign. So let's get back to the seven seals prophecy. We just heard, uh, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. So these individuals are getting the seal of God on their foreheads. Now you say, well, wait a minute, how do we know that the seal of God on their foreheads is the same thing that Jesus Christ was talking about in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12? Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 4. So Revelation 22, verse 4, where in the New Earth Prophecy says, And they will see his face, talking about all who are victorious, all who are citizens of the New Jerusalem. It says, And they will see his face, talking about the face of God the Father. Now, we know we're going to see the face of Jesus Christ when we participate in the first resurrection. But what about the face of God the Father? So God gave himself a human form so that he could die on the cross for us, but he has another form, and that's his form as God the Father, and he will not relocate his home, which is in the present heaven, until we transition from present earth to the new earth. 
Now, once we transition to the new earth, that's when the new Jerusalem descends and it merges onto this new earth and we get not only a new earth, but also new heavens, it says in Revelation chapter 21. Now, when we live on this new earth, in Revelation 22, verse 4, it says, And they will see his face, talking about all who are victorious, all who are permitted to transition from mortality to immortality, all whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It says, And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. Whose name? The name of God the Father. And also, as you heard in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, and the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we are clear that the mark of God is discussed in Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 3, and Revelation chapter 22. Now let's go one more time to Revelation uh, chapter 3, verse 12, then we're going back. It says, all who are victorious, that's at the beginning of verse 12, and talking about all who are victorious, it says many things here, but let's focus on the mark of God. It says, I will write on them the name of my God. So that's talking about God the Father. So Revelation chapter 3 verse 12 is confirmed by Revelation chapter 22 verse 4. And I will write on them the name of my God. But we're given new information here also. It says, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is discussed in Revelation chapters 21 all of 21 and then verses 1 to 5 of 22. The new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. So God the Father is sending down this city, the new Jerusalem. Why? Because that's the city he's going to live in. But he's not coming until all the enemies of God have been destroyed. Who are they? The Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan. The children of Satan, including those who take the mark of the beast, and death itself. When all these have been destroyed, the five enemies of God have been destroyed, then he's sending the new Jerusalem down to the new earth. It's going to merge on top of that precise location where the old Jerusalem was. It will replace it, and we will be citizens of the new Jerusalem, and God the Father will reside on the new earth, and you will get to see his face, and I will get to see his face. Now, let's talk about the harvest. We're going back to Revelation chapter 7, where it tells us about the 144,000. So verse 3 says, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. Now let's talk about this for a second. The harvest includes three parts. Now, in Romans, in Romans we hear 
that after the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, all Israel will be saved. What's all Israel? All is not 75% or 81% or 99.5%, but 100%. All means all. Now, we're told in Romans chapter 11 that all Israel will be saved. What does it mean to be saved? It means to have the truth, to have found and followed Jesus Christ, to be among the harvest, to be a good fish, to have one's name written in the Lamb's book of life, to transition from mortality to immortality to put on that peak performance body that will never wear out that will allow you to live on this present earth whether you're here when jesus returns or whether you get your reconstituted body because you come back with him at the time of the second coming or if you're in the 144,000 who's in Israel after the Antichrist has entered the city and many have been taken captive and the women have been raped and the houses have been looted as described in Zechariah chapter 12. All these things are happening on that day. What's that day? That day is the day of the Battle of Armageddon. That day is the day... When the first resurrection happens, which is followed by the first resurrection is the wedding, the marriage of the lamb, it's followed by the marriage supper. What's the marriage supper? That's the battle of Armageddon where all the vultures will be invited by the angel. They will be instructed to come and to feast on the flesh of kings and warriors, of men who are great why? Because 100% of those who are there to fight against Israel will be destroyed, as described at uh, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 21. It's also at the end of Revelation 14. Now, we're talking about the 144,000 and how the seal of God is put on their forehead. Why? They are a part of the harvest. Now, my grandmother... She is in heaven as a disembodied spirit. No doubt you have friends, family who died in Christ. Do you know that they have perfect continuity of life? You say, well, how can they have life if their bodies are in the grave? Because their soul, their mind, will and emotions perfectly intact. Their spirit perfectly intact. They're two in one rather than three in one. God's perfect plan, his perfect will for your life and my life is for each of us to dwell in a peak performance immortal body, just like the one Jesus Christ resides in at this moment. And when he returns, all three parts of the harvest, will transition from mortality to immortality. Now, in Romans chapter 11, it says, verse 25, I want you to understand this mystery. So we're talking about a mystery, the mystery of the 144,000. So Romans chapter 11, verse 25, Paul says to us, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people 
of Israel have hard hearts. Now, what does it mean? All in Romans, it talks about how some of the Jews transition to being believers in Jesus Christ. And they stopped believing in circumcision. And they recognized that the old covenant had been replaced by the new covenant. But some had hard hearts. So when you read the book of Romans, you find out that what it means to have a hard heart is to have not come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now here it says, some of the people of Israel have hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. Only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ, and so all Israel will be saved. What does this mean? When the first resurrection happens, that's the full number of Gentiles. You want to be among those described in First Thessalonians chapter 4, where either you died in Christ so that when he returns, you are coming with him, and when you come with him, your reconstituted body, your glorified body, your perfected body rises up out of the grave, and your spirit and soul put it on like a new suit. It's perfect. It's 100% free of DNA errors. It's the best body that you will ever have. You haven't lived your best day yet because you haven't put on your peak performance body yet. You say, well, I'm 87 years old. My best days are behind me. No, they aren't. No, they aren't. Your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are when you put on that peak performance glorified body. When you are in your body that allows you to live on this present earth for a thousand years ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ in the assignment that he gives to you. How many people have talents that go unrealized? You live under a government that's corrupt. You have people plotting against you who never come to justice, but there's coming a day, according to Isaiah chapter 9, where it says, and of the increase of his government, whose government? The government of Jesus Christ. And of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. The government of Jesus Christ is coming. And all who are part of the harvest will rule and reign. Well, how are you going to rule and reign? Under the leadership of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, And in the assignment that you are given. Now, the harvest includes those who return with Jesus Christ because they have fallen asleep. In other words, they have experienced the first death. And right now, they are alive and well, and well but they are simply disembodied. But hallelujah, there's coming a time where they will no longer be disembodied. They'll be three in one, and it'll be better than it's ever been. For those of us who are here on the earth, at the time of the second coming, we will transition in the blink of an eye from mortality to immortality. 
with the second part of the harvest. And it says in First Thessalonians chapter 4, we will rise up to, we will rise up second, but shortly thereafter in that same timing to meet them and Jesus Christ in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And, you know, this is all the marriage of the lamb before the battle of Armageddon. It says, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. But hold on. There's a third part of the harvest. This is the mystery described in Romans chapter 11, verse 25 says, I want you to understand this mystery. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts. So what does this mean? When the third temple is rebuilt, the ceremonies, let me back up for a second. The third temple very shortly is going to be rebuilt. When the confirmation of the covenant is signed, what's that? That's the peace agreement that will create, that will create, Sharing of the Temple Mount. This is so important. This is so important. When that peace agreement is signed, that will give Israel the green light to rebuild its temple, the temple described in the seven trumpets prophecy in the book of Revelation. And in that temple, they will use the ashes of the red heifer in their ceremonies. What ceremonies will they be having? Well, they'll be doing animal sacrifices. We say, well, I don't believe in animal sacrifice. Well, we're not talking about what we personally uh, believe in or what we, we are doing uh, in our own homes or in our own churches. We're talking about Bible prophecy. We're talking about realities that are coming in the future. And in the future, those who have hardened hearts right now, who are not aware that the old covenant has been replaced with the new covenant, they are going to worship their God, who's our God. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He has a son. His name is Jesus Christ. Here, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. But until you know that Jesus Christ is your Messiah, if you are a part of Israel, you have a hardened heart. Yet they believe and they are worshiping their God. They believe that their Messiah is coming. And when the Antichrist comes and the armies of the Ten Nation Alliance are there, and in Zechariah, we're told that on that day, what day are we talking about? We're talking about the day of the battle of Armageddon. The marriage of the Lamb has happened. Now it's time for the marriage supper. On that day, there will be all Israel waiting for their Messiah. It looks like Israel is about to be taken over. It looks like Israel has been down for the count or is down for the count. You say, well, how does it look like that? It looks like that because the women have been raped and the houses have been looted and a significant number have been taken into captivity. You say, well, uh, where is that in the Bible? Let's go there for a moment, talking about that day with the mystery of the 144,000. Let's talk about that. 
So it says in Zechariah chapter 12, this message concerning the fate of Israel came from the Lord. This message is from the Lord who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth, and formed the human spirit. I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. And in verse 5, it says, And the clans of Judah will say to themselves, The people of Jerusalem have found strength. And the Lord of heaven's armies, their God. And then it says in verse 8, On that day the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. Now how in the world can the weakest among them be as mighty as King David? When the mark of God goes on their forehead, when the seal of God, is put on their forehead, which is the mark of God, they transition from mortality to immortality. They are saved. They become a third part of the harvest. It says some of the people of Israel have heart hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ, and so all Israel will be saved. Now, all Israel, we don't have to wonder exactly what it is. It tells us in Revelation chapter 7, verse 4, And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel, from Judah 12,000, from Reuben 12,000, from Gad 12,000, from Asher 12,000, from Naphtali 12,000, from Simeon 12,000, from Levi 12,000, from Issachar 12,000, from Zebulon 12,000, from Joseph 12,000, from Benjamin 12,000. Now, you might say, well, hey, where am I in this? Remember, the harvest includes three parts. After the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, that's when all Israel is saved. Talking about all Israel that remains, that's awaiting its Messiah to come and fight and win the war that has been waged against them. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. The Battle of Armageddon. Now, let's hear a little bit more about that day in this 144,000. Zechariah, the last chapter, 14, it says, Verse 2, I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses looted, and the women raped. Half the population will be taken into captivity, and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. Then, then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations. When is it going to happen? not going to happen uh, on the day that the temple is rebuilt. It's not going to happen on the day that the Antichrist stands in the temple declaring that he is God. It's not going to happen during the Great Tribulation. It's going to happen after the Great Tribulation. 
the culmination of the seven final plagues described in Revelation 15 and 16. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. It says, on that day, his feet, whose feet? The feet of Jesus Christ. He's coming to fight and win the battle of Armageddon. And when he comes, those who are in Israel, now you heard what they're going to face there. Half the population is going to be in captivity, and the rest are left among the ruins. So this is going to be a time of great desolation, a time of great distrust like the world has never seen before and like the world will never, ever see again. But they will cry out to their Messiah. The Antichrist thinks that he has them. The false prophet thinks that they will have triumphed, but in fact, they will not triumph at all because Jesus is coming. He promises to return. And in Revelation chapter 7, the angel says, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. Listen, listen, truth seeker and friend, if you are in Israel, at the time when the armies of the Antichrist invade Israel and you see the women being raped and you see your brothers and sisters being taken into captivity and the houses looted, don't give up on your God. Jesus Christ promises that he is coming. And the prophecies of the Bible reveal that none of the events of the Great Tribulation are a surprise to God. And the fifth and final plague is when the blackout will happen at the headquarters of the Antichrist. Then the river Euphrates will be dried up supernaturally in the plans and purposes of God. The armies of the Antichrist will traverse that path to come exactly and precisely into the location of Israel where it has been foreordained for Jesus Christ to fight and win the battle of Armageddon on behalf of his people. So to my Jewish brothers and sisters who are in Israel, your Messiah, our Messiah, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is coming. And all who see him will mourn for him. They will mourn. They will mourn for him when they see him return and they realize that they are the ones who pierced him. But they will get that seal of God on their forehead. And they will transition from mortality to immortality. And we're told that the weakest among the 144,000 will be as strong as David. So friend and truth seeker, what's the take home point? The harvest includes three parts. Now let's hear Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. John the Revelator says, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. 
standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. So the 144,000, a number that represents all Israel that is saved prior to the commencement of the Battle of Armageddon, but it does not include all whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let's hear this again. Verse 9 of chapter 7 says, of the book of Revelation, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. Now, what is too great to count? I don't know if that's 18 trillion, 5 billion, 6 million. Perhaps it's something more than a trillion, which I don't know what happens after a trillion. Okay, but a, a, a large number. I think we can all agree with that. And where are these people from? From every nation. So if you're not among the 144,000, that is not something for you to lament. That's not something for you to uh, feel stressed out about or to wonder, hey, am I really saved if I'm not a part of the 144,000? You know, there's one religion that's all about you've got to be a part of the 144,000 and you aren't saved. Well, maybe you're in that religion or you know someone who is. Let's take a look at what the Bible says. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language. Well, I can certainly count beyond 144,000, right? 144,001, 144,002. I bet you can too. So it's very clear that the harvest extends beyond 144,000. So if someone is telling you or me that if you're not among the 144,000, then you're not saved and you're, you're going to the lake of fire, that's false. That's not Bible. Now you might say, well, my pastor told me that. You know, Sometimes we don't know what we don't know, and that's why we get in this Word of God to get our minds renewed so we can find out the truth. So we don't go to the Bible to confirm what we already know is true. We go to the Bible to uh, shape our thoughts, to inform us, inform us, you and me, of what is true. So when we open the Bible, when we hear it, when we read it, if there is something in it that conflicts with what we think, we don't say, oh, we need to revise this Bible. No, no, no. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we don't think to revise the Bible. We think to revise our thoughts. That's how that works if you are a truth seeker. You don't say, well, the Bible has to line up with what my pastor said, or the Bible has to line up with what my grandmother told me, or well, my dad said, if that Bible says something different, I'm going to believe my dad over the Bible. Don't do that, friend. Don't do that, truth seeker and friend. The Bible is the infallible word of God. Now, translations sometimes are a little bit different, right? So you might need to look at the King James Version, and then maybe you look at the Amplified Classic or the Amplified or uh, whatever version you prefer. But the key point is, if the Bible says, and it does, that those who are saved, those who wear white robes at the end, and you know the people who participate in the harvest is described in Revelation chapter 19, all those who are victorious wear a white outfit. And it says right here, from every nation and tribe and people and 
language. So that doesn't mean only every nation that exists in 2023, or let's say it's 2030, let's say it's 2037, whenever Jesus returns. That's not saying every nation only from that time. It's saying every nation from all time, from all time. Think about this. Your great-great-great-great-grandmother, your great-great-great-great-grandfather, they may be from a nation that doesn't even exist on the earth. Yet, because they are believers and they died in Christ, they are a part of this vast crowd, a part of the harvest. Okay. So, in Revelation chapter 14 and in revelation chapter 19 we have at the end descriptions of the battle of armageddon what happens during the battle of armageddon the 144,000 that number is relevant because that's all israel that will be saved in the timing of the first resurrection but before the battle of Armageddon. That's why they must get that mark of God so that they transition from mortality to immortality before the angels commence to harm the land, the sea, and the trees. Now, friend and truth seeker, have you thought about whether your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? I want to share 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, uh, I want to talk about um, the resurrection. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Now let's pause there for a second. It said at the beginning, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So if if they've died, how is he bringing them back with him? Because they reside as disembodied spirits with their soul intact, their mind, will, and emotions perfectly intact in present heaven. So he's bringing them back as disembodied spirits, but they're going to put on their new peak performance bodies. How are they going to do that? First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. What does that mean? It means their reconstituted bodies, their peak performance bodies, their glorified 
bodies, their perfected bodies, their immortal bodies will literally rise up from nothingness, from decay to eternal life. You say, well, how can that be? That sounds like science fiction. No, friend, that sounds like science fact. Science can go so far and then comes God. I heard that in a movie I like. It's called The Notebook. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You say, well, what does that mean? Together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds. So we transition those who are here on the earth. Many, I, I believe that many of you who are listening, I believe that many of us will be here at the time of the second coming. So we transition from mortality to immortality, those of us who are here on the earth. And then that means that in our peak performance body, it's just like the body that Jesus Christ has right now. He will always have that peak performance body. He will have it when he has it now. He's going to continue to be in that body when he comes to this present earth. He's going to stay in that body for the thousand years, the first thousand years of his government on this earth. And that body is sufficiently excellent that it will be the body that he has when we transition to the new earth. You say, well, why does that matter? On the new earth, there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more mourning, no more tears, no more death, no more pain. That's what it says in Revelation chapter 21. So the first amazing thing was Jesus Christ rising from the grave in his peak performance body. The second amazing thing is those who are in heaven putting on their peak performance body. The third amazing thing is those of us who are here on the earth, we transition to our peak performance body. And the fourth amazing thing, we're going to end on this, friend. The fourth amazing thing is the 144,000. They, too, all Israel will be saved. They, too, will transition from mortality to immortality. They, too, will have the mark of God rather than the mark of the beast. There's so much more to say, but I learned from uh, one of the great Bible teachers, Marilyn Hickey, it's not good to try to cram too much into one talk. So I'm going to take a page from her book. She's an excellent teacher. And I want to stay singularly focused on the 144,000. They, too, will transition from mortality to immortality and includes all Israel who awaits their Messiah during the invasion of the armies led by the Antichrist and the false prophet and the kings of the world. I hope this has been an interesting time for you. I invite you to share your questions about the book of Revelation, your comments about the book of Revelation, your perspective on the book of Revelation with me and with us. You can text in your comments 
uh, questions, perspective, 24-7. Our PGN text number is 1-214-505-8719. One more time, our PGN text number is 1-214-505-8719. I want to thank everyone who listens, uh, whether you are listening via telephone or via Internet. Some of you listen uh, using Apple Podcast or uh, from the Internet Archive. I want to thank you for being with me and with us. If you'd like to participate during the live broadcast, you can do that. Uh, our PGN phone number is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. I'm going to go to callers. I see one hand raised. If your hand is not raised, I won't call on you. I know that you are listening. Um, but not ready to talk with the host. So I will call on you, 984277. Thank you for being with me and with us. Can I try to unmute you now? 984277, who are we talking to and where are you calling from? Um, Lamont. Hey, Lamont. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, let me pray for you, and then I'm going to ask you yes. what you want to talk about. Okay, if you give me just one moment to pray for you, okay? Okay. All right. So, Lord, I want to thank you for Lamont. Thank you, Lord, that he has a heart. Uh, he has a heart to travel. He has a heart to travel for the Word of God. Uh he has a heart to uh, take the Bible and the Word of God uh, far and wide, door to door. Hallelujah. This is a people person. This is your man. You've given him a, a heart for those who, uh, those who are hurting, and he's not afraid of rejection. He's not afraid to go where uh, other people won't go. He'll go to those homes where they say, don't go over there. It's dangerous over there because he knows that uh, the protection of God is with him. He knows that no matter what happens, uh, God is with him. So, Lord, thank you that you've blessed him with uh, courage and favor. He is your son. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Let us hear from you. Oh, I'm doing okay. I just, um, I just want prayer. Then I, um, you know, continue to do what God wants me to do. So that's it. That's all I need. Amen. It's my pleasure and honor to uh, pray with you and for you. Yeah. You know, you know, I saw you going door to door like a salesman, but instead of, uh, yeah, let me just pause there. I saw you going door to door. Door to door. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, is there anything specific that you'd like us to uh, pray about? No. It's just, like I just said, I want to continue to um, do the will of God and, you know, God continue to use me. That's it. I mean, I don't, um, I don't have no desires or nothing no more because, um, you know, since I, you know, got myself back together, um, you know, the Lord looking out for me. Amen. Amen. And so where are you at in the world? Well, Concord, North Carolina. 
Okay, okay. Wonderful. I know we have uh, a couple of PGN listeners in North Carolina. Yep. Amen. Is there anything else you'd like to um, talk about or pray about before uh, before we end? No, I'm good. Okay, well, I want to thank you for the opportunity to pray with you. Um, I'll be standing in agreement with you for God to use you, and thank you for being a part of PGN. Okay, I appreciate it. Amen. Thank you, thank you for calling, and I see some other callers, but that is the only hand that is raised. Um, You know, the book of Revelation has a special blessing And uh, I want to pray that for every listener right now. In Revelation chapter 1, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, we're told that every person who listens to the book of Revelation is blessed. So I want to pray that over you right now. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. So, friend and truth seeker, I declare and decree, according to the word of God, that you are blessed because you have listened to the message of the book of Revelation today, and I pray that you obey what it says, for indeed the time For the great tribulation is near, the time for the return of Jesus Christ is near, and I thank you for being with me and with us today. We're going to continue our discussion about the book of Revelation on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Texas Time, and of course, every Sunday at 12 noon Texas Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. If you haven't done so already today... I urge you, according to Jeremiah 33, 3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.